you'll please take your Bibles and turn to Romans 8. Robbie has already read for us verses 1 through 11, and that sends the context of what we'll be looking at this morning as we continue looking at verses 12 through 17. And again, we're looking at how to live out the kingdom. And uh, so we're looking at this series called Kingdom Living. And so we've looked the first week at Kingdom Renewal, where we talked about the church not being a moment where we look back and say, wasn't it great when we used to be this or used to do that? We're not just a church that maintains. We just want to uh, continue what we're doing and just kind of get along. And uh, we want to see it as a movement. How does God use us to be the missionaries that you are called to be? missionaries, um, not just people that we pay, uh, not just the pastors or people who get paid for it, but how are you called to be a missionary in your place of business, work, neighborhood, whatever it is that God has called you to be? How are we to go out and to preach that gospel? And so we also saw kingdom repentance and that it's not just about being sorry for our sins. We understood that there were those who were sorry for their sins, but it didn't mean that they repented. They didn't turn of their sin and turn back to Christ. And so this morning, we're going to look at the kingdom gospel. Um, and we're going to look at what is the gospel. And uh, for many of you and those who come from different uh, denominational backgrounds might even be asking the question of, am I really saved? And how do I know that? Or I said the prayer um, a long time ago, and so I'm okay. I've got it. It's under control. And so we're going to look to see whether that's true or not true as we begin to unpack it this morning. But we look at Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also might be glorified with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, this is your word and the Spirit has given to us the opportunity to hear and to take notice and to apply the things that we learn of your scripture. So Father, please truly give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. Lord, to give assurance to those who constantly go back and forth of whether they're saved or unsaved, Lord, that they would find a place of being able to relax and understand that once we are loved by God, we're always loved by God. Lord, for others who are thinking that they are saved and yet they're not, Father, I ask that you would give them truly an understanding fresh and new of the gospel this morning. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we begin by asking the question in regards to the scripture of what is the gospel? Now there's an intellectual understanding that we have. And so we need to understand and talk about what is the gospel itself. And so there's three aspects that we talk about in regards to the gospel. The first one is there is bad news. There's bad news because there's a thing called sin. Now sin is not the difference between being good or bad. The difference for sin is being perfect or not perfect. 
And so we all understand that we all fall short. There is no person, there's nobody that you talk to that would not say that they are a perfect person. And so the reality is, is that they are therefore a sinner. And you should talk to them as such. It's not, again, being good or bad. It's being perfect or not perfect. And so we be all of us are sinners, whether in the letter of the law or the spirit. So we all understand that we are sinners. But there is the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the only one who fulfilled perfectly the law. He is the perfect one. And because he is the perfect one, he becomes the one perfect sacrifice. And so he is the one who goes to death on the cross when he didn't deserve to. He's the only one who didn't deserve to die. So, But he goes in our place as that one perfect sacrifice and pays for our sins upon the cross. Now again, that is good news. But there's even greater news. And the greater news is this. That God allows us to become a part of his family. Because of his resurrection, he has victory over sin and death. And Jesus therefore shares the victory with us and adopts us into his family and therefore makes us heirs to the kingdom. So we, even though we are sinners, through Christ and his sacrifice, are allowed to become sons and daughters of the king. 1 Corinthians 15, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. See, Christ is raised from the dead. He's the only one of any religion who is not still buried. He's alive. And he comes back and he shows himself to many witnesses. And he says to us, this is the good news. I have conquered sin and death and give to you life and life everlasting. So there's an intellectual belief where, again, we have to understand and say, I believe this. I believe that I am a sinner. I believe that I need someone to pay for my sins. And that came through Jesus Christ. He was perfect. I believe that Jesus not only did that, but he was resurrected. So I'm a Christian, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. Why do I say that? Because James chapter 2 verse 19 says this. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. See, it's more than just an intellectual understanding. There has to be where a saving, true saving faith begins, where we give our lives to Christ. We don't just have an intellectual scent. We have to give everything to him. Because there's a difference between amazement and faith. Have you ever been to an amusement park over in Orlando or some other amusement park where they have these uh, machines that sometimes are called slingshots? Um, other times they're big V swings and stuff like that. And these are machines that are, are designed to, um, to scare you, obviously, um, and to trust, put your faith in this little 18, 19 year old worker, um, who's going to shoot you up 150 feet in the air or to, to take you up in the swing and drop you. And, and I did this. So, um, as a youth pastor, cause the, you're not going to get out dared by your kids in the youth group. Mr. Jeff, are you going to go up in the swing? Are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take two of you with me. So if it breaks, we're all going to go. 
And so we did this V-swing is out in Denver and we're, we're at the, the Six Flags out there. And so they put you in the, the little papoose little thing and they hook you on. And my first question was, is this going to hold me? Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. They hook the other two people in. And then they take you up and they take you up about five, six stories. And then they allowed for us, for our group, they allowed one of the teenagers to pull the ripcord. That felt safe for me. So our teenagers are there and they're going, anytime you're ready. And so what you do is you pull the cord and then you free fall until it hits at the bottom of the, the swing and then you swing back and forth. And it's a great time once you feel the, the, the swing kick in. Okay? Now there's a lot of people who look at those things and are amazed, but they never go on the ride. We can be amazed by the gospel and never have saving faith. Here's the difference. Listen to the, this quote. It comes from, again, the, I, I go to I got questions or gotquestions.com. So it is with salvation that demons know more than we do about the awesome power of God. They watched Jesus Christ come to earth. They watched as he lived as a man and then be crucified. They trembled in horror as the God-man rose from the dead and walked out of the tomb. They saw him ascend back into heaven, and they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But the demons do not have saving faith, and neither do we if, we are, if that is where our faith ends, is simply with the intellectual. See, there has to be a change, and the question, and the change really comes with this. It's a question of lordship. See, James 2.19, again, gave us the, the understanding of the demons believe, but he goes on to tell us from verse 20 on that how do you know someone is saved? And it's by how they live. It's how they live. So the question is, who has the final say of how I live my life? For the demons, it was this, I believe in God, but I don't love him. And so the demons were the undisputed sovereigns of their own lives. I can believe all the things about God and still want to be in control of my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to see the things I want to see. I want to spend my money the way I want to spend my money. I want to do everything. Everything is about me. I am the undisputed sovereign over my life. For those who have given their faith to Christ for a Christian, we surrender our lives to God's control. Listen to what it says in Matthew 10, verse 37 through 38. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, please don't read this and think, am I not supposed to love my father and mother? Of course you're supposed to love your father and mother. Are you supposed to love your sons and daughters? Yes. Love your sons and daughters. But... What or who is the thing that you love most? That's the question. Where does your heart go to? Is your heart, is Jesus truly the first and the greatest thing in your life? Is that the greatest love and you want to please and honor him? That's the question. That's how you know whether you're saved or not saved. And we get this because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have this gospel message that's out there, but it's enabled by the Spirit. Now, here's the reality. There are only two options. You are either saved or unsaved. There is no such thing as a carnal Christian. Does everybody understand that? Can't happen. Now, that does not mean that you cannot be in a pattern of sin for a period of time. 
However, if you are a Christian, you will be convicted. You will have an opportunity for confession, repentance, and restoration. Because the Spirit is at work in you. You are the dwelling place of the Spirit, so He's going to work. If you come to a place where you don't want to apologize to anybody, you don't care about anybody, you hate all people, you only want to do what you want to do all the time, you only want to do it your way, then you don't have the Spirit, and you're not a Christian. But I believe that there is a Christ. I believe that He died on the cross. I believe that He was resurrected. That's not enough. And I know this boogers some of you up, boogers me up. Why? Because when I came out of the Southern Baptist thing, all I had to do was say a prayer. And they told me, they guaranteed me, if I said this prayer and I went outside and got hit by a bus, that I was going to stand in heaven. And I believed it. So I said the prayer always, often, because I wanted to be saved. So, But the reality is, that prayer is not magic. It doesn't save me. It doesn't matter how many times I say the prayer. If my heart is not changed by the Spirit and engaged to live as becomes a follower of Christ, then I have no guarantee. One of the greatest questions that was ever given to me was from my youth pastor. And it was right out here in the lagoon, sitting in a boat, fishing. And again, I knew all the Jesus answers. And then he asked me one question, Jeff, what's God doing in your life? Well, he's not doing anything. And for the first time, somebody said to me, I don't think you're a Christian. Jeff, you can't be going to all the parties. You can't be doing what you're doing with girls. You can't be cheating on tests. You can't, these cannot be your desires and you still be a Christian. You can't be living this way. What do you mean I'm not a Christian? I said the prayer. I believe all these things about Jesus. I don't think so. And so he started a process of, of, of discipling me. And what he did in discipling me, he was bringing me back to the scripture. He's bringing me back to the truths of what the spirit teaches. And what does the spirit do for us? He renews the mind. So there's a desire to obey the word. We, we love the scripture. We love the, the law, not because we're held to it, not because we have to, because we want to. Again, there's going to come a time where where kids are not taking out the trash because they're told to, or they're going to be in trouble, or they're going to be put on restriction, or they're not going to get their, their money or pay. They're going to take out the garbage at one point for mom because they love mom. And not just on Mother's Day because they wrote a little thing saying, rip this off and you get one free trash can removal. We respond in love. And so we have this love for the word of God. It it begins to transform our thinking and lies that we we truly believe begin to come truth. Do you ever, has anybody ever uh, watched the the show? I'm sure many of you have or or like the um, Mythbusters. And I like that show because what they would do is they would take urban myths, things that were out there, and they would test it to see whether they were true or not true. And so some of the weirder ones was um, it's better to have an axe than a gun if there's a zombie apocalypse. You can kill more zombies with an axe, okay? And they proved it, okay? It takes a little bit slower time, I mean, faster time to hit someone with an axe than to shoot them with a gun, okay? So have an axe at home. I don't care. They also prove things like this, that you can build a boat out of duct tape. Pretty cool. They prove that we really did land on the moon, okay? So they're they're taking these things because, again, what happens is we're told certain things, we believe certain things, but what the Spirit does is He begins to transform our mind by the Scripture, and He begins to turn the things that we think are true from the world standpoint and changes them to the truth of the Scripture. And so He transforms us. And not only does He transforms us, but He stirs our heart. 
Which means that he allows our love for God to become the thing that is the most consuming thing. And as we begin, listen, as we begin to love God the way that we're supposed to, then we begin to love other people the way we're supposed to. If we reverse it, then it doesn't happen. Because we like the people we like, and we hate the people that we hate. And then what happens is we begin to treat God as if he's in a box. If we flip it upside down and allow God to be God, then what happens if our love for him is the greatest thing, then what happens is the gospel gets bigger to us, not smaller. And so we begin to love people, even those who have hurt us, because God is allowing our heart to be changed and transformed by the word and love and understand what it means. And when that happens, he begins to direct our wills. And so what happens is there's a desire within us to want to glorify God. We want him to receive all glory and honor that he is rightfully due. And so when we do that and we want to enjoy him forever, again, the opportunity for us to come in here is to not grade what we do here as worship. The thing that we do is we walk into here is to say, is God glorified and honored by what I do? I remember... Um, a pastor speaking about this at Lookout Mountain very clearly, and he said, I, even if people are standing outside of this church and they're yelling at us and screaming at us of how bad we are, how unloving we are, they're spitting on us, they're, they're throwing insults at us. He said, I'm still walking in because I'm in here for an audience of one. And he deserves all glory and honor. It doesn't matter what anybody else does to me. We come to give him glory and honor. Listen to Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's doing it. He's allowing the Spirit to move. Now, there are probably some people in here who are now, who are truly Christians who are now sitting, am I a Christian? I thought I was a Christian when I came into the church. Now I think I'm not so good. Okay? Why is there still a struggle for us? Because we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. What do I mean by that? There are still struggles in our lives because we still have the old DNA. We came from the family of Adam. This passage tells us that if we have the Spirit, we're now part of the family of God. Now, that does not mean that everything is fixed automatically. Anybody who has adopted someone or you've watched other children or you've brought in people for extended periods of time, understand that there are there's a time pattern. There's things that need to change. Okay, so our friends who um, have adopted kids from over in China, um, they came down, they, they were with us, we took them out to a dinner, and um, at, while we were there at dinner, the, their young daughter from China I mean, was just shoveling it in, just shoveling in, they were just like, slow down, slow down, slow down, and she got to the point where she actually stopped eating, she didn't eat everything on her plate, which I think she got like an adult plate, she was like five, but she got an adult portion um, but one of the things that they told us was because she's from China, because she always never knew where her next meal was coming from, she never had that security. So anytime that she ever sat down to eat, she put as much in her mouth and she ate as fast as she could and got as much into her tummy as she could, even to the point where she would get sick. 
And they said, we have to teach her that there's another meal coming. It's okay to stop. It's the same with us. There is an old nature that's a part of us that still struggles, that still calls into question. And there is that desire to do right things. A pastor, in regards to this passage, talked about a a woman who was dating a non-Christian man. And she didn't think anything about it because all, all of her other ones ended. But she found herself now two years into the relationship. And she liked the man. And she wrote the pastor saying, he's not a Christian. He's an agnostic and he's never going to become a Christian. So now what do I do? And his response was, you know what's right. The spirit is going to enable you to say the right things. And she said, but I'm praying to God to intercede. And he says, why are you asking for the miracle? God doesn't always bring the miracle. God's telling you to do the right thing because you have the spirit within you. Go and do the right thing. Sometimes we struggle because, again, we lose our awe. I mean, how many times do, do we talk about Jesus coming, this perfect, um, this perfect God who comes in human flesh, lives a perfect life, goes and dies on the cross, and we kind of go, eh, that's a nice story. We can't lose our awe of the gospel. We can't lose our awe of who God is. And we can never think we've ever arrived. We can't think that we've ever figured God out. Because we don't. So again, there's these struggles within us. So what do we have to do? We have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Paul Tripp said this, you speak to yourself more than anyone else. He said, just don't open your lips because they'll think you're crazy. But that's a true statement. You preach to yourself more than anybody else in the world. So the question for you and for me is what are you preaching Are you preaching the true gospel? Are you preaching an anti-gospel? Harry Reader said this, we need to have not a telescope in our Christian lives, we need to have binoculars. And here's what he means. He says we need to look with two, two eyes open. And here's the reality. Without the Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. That's truth. That's one lens. Without the Holy Spirit, I can do nothing to please God. However, I have to look with the other lens. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Which means if we try to live a Christian life on our own, within our own power, we are destined to fail. But when we give our lives to the Spirit, and the Spirit lives within us, then our desires change. He transforms. He transforms our thinking and our heart. And we have the ability to now be satisfied in Him. Listen, the same Spirit, listen to me very clearly on this. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that is in you. You don't get a sub-spirit. You don't get spirit .50. You get the Holy Spirit. And the one that allowed Jesus to walk out of the grave. And think about that. He walked out of the grave. Alive. And he sits at God's right hand and he says, I love you because I choose to love you. And I give to you the spirit so that you might live as becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Now preach that self to you every day. Never be satisfied. And as you preach it to yourself, we preach the gospel to each other. And we preach ourselves that gospel to the lost. Have to. Because it's the greatest story ever told. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
May we never tire of hearing this message. Lord, may we never lose our awe that the God-man Jesus Christ came to earth, lived as a man, never leaving heaven and never even owning a home in the creation that He spoke into existence. Father, let us constantly remember the good news of the Gospel that we all deserve to go to hell except that You gave Your Son as a one perfect sacrifice for our sins. And not only that, You you allow Him to conquer sin and death and give to us His righteousness so that we might be called the sons and daughter of the living God. Father, may we constantly preach that to ourselves every day in the good times and the bad. And then, Lord, let us not become complacent or lukewarm, but, Lord, that we would be hot and that we would preach the gospel to one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up, and then take it to the lost. And, Father, send your spirit in abundance. And, Lord, we pray big prayers that you would give us Brevard County. Lord, there are men in here who need to be praying that all of Grumman comes to the saving knowledge of of Christ. Others who preach that Harris comes to a saving knowledge of Christ. Others who pray that the Brevard County School System, Eastern Florida, University of Central Florida. Lord, whatever other businesses we find ourselves in. Lord, whatever neighborhood we find ourselves in. Whatever grocery store we go to. Whatever situation we find ourselves. Lord, change lives and use us to do it. For it is to you that we give all glory and honor and all praise. And all God's people said, Amen.